The World Cup on Off The Ball, covering the good, the bad and, well, the ugly of what's happening in Qatar. Neymar can push the ball between your legs because he just sees things. Subscribe to the OTB Football Podcast feed now. Okay, OTB Sports are in partnership with Science Week. Science Week is helping us explore the infinite possibilities science offers and the role of science in delivering solutions that support our future opportunities and challenges. It's taking place from the 13th to 20th of November. And find out how you can get involved by visiting scienceweek.ie. One of the topics that uh, is being heavily discussed in Science Week this year is the topic of sustainable living and uh, how we can, I guess, capitalize on using our natural energy resources and becoming a a world leader in this country in sustainable living. living. And one man that struck me as a man in the area of sport that has, um, I guess, lived this uh, idea of sustainable living is the former Wexford hurling captain, Jeremy Gizzy Ling. Gizzy, how are things? Yeah, all good, Shane. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for uh, for taking the time out. And uh, for people maybe unfamiliar with 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 your own story and your own, uh, I guess, efforts to 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 look after the environment and do your own little bit and uh, rewild yourself, you might you might just explain to us how uh, how you've come to find yourself in in West Kerry of all places. Um, er, er, that yeah, that, I don't know. It's, maybe it's an overtold story, Shane. Definitely for the off the ball listeners, like. Um, I'm down here doing my thing. I have the same hypocrisies and the same difficulties that everybody else has in terms of trying to <clears throat> trying to live more in harmony um, with the resources and with the environment and trying to learn about the environment and trying to be out in it more and spend more time out in it as opposed to uh, forming an intellectual relationship about what I should do with it. Um, and, and how I should look after it and trying to spend just more time out in it and as I said deal with those hypocrisies kind of one by one and not to be too self-lacerating about them because uh, yeah there's 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 more behind that too it's not just all the individual experience there's there's systemic issues that have to be dealt with um, at many different levels so I'm down here exploring that and trying to understand the scale, the macro, and then the micro as well in how I how I how I navigate my day with, with you know with my kids and my partner and and all the different things that we're part of down here. How do you think we we fare as a country, uh, Jeremy, when it comes to to sustainable <clears throat> living? We're obviously going to compare ourselves to, to other nations, but 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 for a nation of our size, how do you think we do? Um, well, I suppose in terms of the sustainable development goals, we we don't fare so well. I think we're maybe down around eleventh. Maybe maybe fourteenth even. Uh, that's as of two thousand and nineteen. There's sustainability, and I suppose at the core of sustainability is this idea, to me anyway, that we're trying to sustain life as we know it, but in different ways. Uh, the likes of the electric car and what we have to uh, mine, um, the lithium. The, the different materials to make the batteries, the things that are totally and utterly unsustainable uh, in the long run, but it seems like we're maybe just shunting those things down the road in favour of dealing with the, the energy crisis and, and our, our use of oil. So sustainability, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, not a big, I'm not a big fan of the war on carbon, uh, counting carbon and selling carbon credits to other countries who use less. And <clears throat> I suppose that's... Um, I understand where the necessity is. I understand in big cities, big business, this is this is this no easy area. But um, I, I have found in personally more so my individual relationship with 
nature and with the wild is very, very different um, from the idea of like, how do I reduce my carbon? It's like, it's, it's, um, it's, it's what the mind would always do. It would create a, a scale and uh, something to measure and say, right, if I reduce this, then down the road, this will be better. But I suppose I, I don't think in those terms, it's much more about developing a relationship and understanding and listening to nature as to what's required of me and then trying to follow that. Uh, and the, the kind of the war on carbon is just another uh, systemic uh, offshoot of the capitalist way of thinking um, or the way of thinking that we we use in response to capitalism, which is which has been flawed. Yeah, like the war on drugs, with the war on terror, we've got the war on on everything, and it doesn't uh, it, does, it doesn't really seem or hasn't seemed to work uh, at any stage. So, yeah, I'm not really I'm not following it in, in in that respect. I suppose I what I'm trying to do is work with groups, work with teams, work with uh, schools on building the relationship first uh, and learning to listen and learning to appreciate and learning to just come into touch with the self a little bit more before deciding this is the way to go. So the macro and the micro, Shane, it's very hard to condense it in a, in a, in a short conversation. But um, yeah, I just, I, I'm not counting it in that way, I suppose, because the system seems to constantly require growth. And so this is just a new, a new, a new, a new way to grow. Uh, it's new cars, retrofitting of buildings. <clears throat> it's a whole new industry, the green industry. And um, I suppose I'm just not, yeah. I'm just not a big fan of it, you know. I, yeah. I, I think it needs to be simpler again. Do you, do you feel like people on, on the micro level are are becoming more in tune with their own relationship with with sustainability and trying to do their own little bits, whether it's you know uh, electric cars or, or little things like recycling, or, or do you think that some people are just, I guess, I guess exasperated and they feel that maybe if regardless of whether they do their part, that the the macros need to be doing their parts and governments need to be doing their part in order to to make a real difference. Yeah, it's a really diff- it's it's a really difficult one, and it's uh, there's 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 two camps that set themselves kind of very firmly up, and as is normally the situation when two camps set themselves up firmly, it's often just somewhere kind of in the middle, or else maybe up above, uh, and the you know, up above power may enjoy or need the warring partners underneath, so as their kind of game isn't uh, isn't so known then because all the focus is on is it my individual contribution, my recycling, uh, my use of raw materials, electric cars, retrofitting, whatever it is, um, versus the the oil companies and the great producers of plastic and um, or batteries or you know whatever toxic um, general kind of societal poisons that are sold to us that. That, that, that we then use because they're, necess- they're, they're necessary or they're at least the only outlet that we have to, for example, burn oil to drive our car. There is no alternative really yet uh, other than, we'll say, the electric car, which is also coming with its own list of problems. So people become exasperated for sure because they're like, well, what can I do? It's such a big problem. And I'm trying to make my own little small changes and that takes more time. And people are busy already trying to just stay afloat um, and I don't know do does everybody feel like they have time to really invest in that I mean my partner here is up to date like up to date on on waste practices in particular and she's exasperated by it it just seems to change 
day, you know, like single-use plastics are now not a problem, it seems. Uh, they're maybe all going into the incinerator up in Dublin or we're selling to China. I don't know what we're doing with them, but it seems to be acceptable now where it wasn't six months ago. So it's not easy to stay on top of it and it's easy for people to become exasperated. I suppose then you have at, at the industrial level, there's the necessity for the machine to roll on. And so we do need this constant growth and we do need these industries to kind of keep going and that does come on an environmental cost, but we've decided that, that environmental cost is um, maybe there's an we can offset it in some kind of technical technological advancement that hasn't really come yet, but we're still sure that the te- technological side of things will provide a, a, a response uh, in a way that works for for the human race. But uh, above that, then maybe again, uh, I don't know who, how it works above or, or who it is above, and I don't really need to know because it's too far uh too far out of my sphere of influence but they're definitely uh i suppose not to give not to assign a certain set of persons to it but just the very system the very nature of capitalism when you create money out of nothing and then you apply interest to it you've got 100 chairs and you've got 95 or you've got 95 chairs you've 100 people and that creates this idea of competition and then we begin to see like rationalizations for our behavior as well. It's survival of the fittest and it's, you know, you do, it's kill or be killed and it's all of this stuff. <clears throat> and, I, and I don't, that's, that's going to be our natural response to the situation if it's, if it's put in front of us that way, but it doesn't necessarily have to be put in front of us that way. So the bigger questions are probably around the nature of capitalism and how we maybe begin to move away from, uh, a capitalistic mindset and a capitalistic way of being and seeing ourselves in the world and again like that's big but that's big stuff I, I don't know do I have it in me uh, or is it in my lifetime but I certainly that's the way I'm faced yeah for sure and it's definitely it, it leads to larger questions and uh, nearly more questions than answers I guess as well for, yeah, for yeah, people at a smaller does. level um, yeah. Like one of the issues that I guess that's been brought up on this Science Week topic of sustainability, uh, Jim, as well is is the thing you mentioned is plastics, um, and I suppose finding you know better alternative methods to <clears throat> whether it's recycle or degrade plastics and research new locally sourced replacement materials for plastics as well. I know you said that your partners in, involved in that arena as well. Like it seems to be a, a topic that comes up any time sustainability is mentioned. There are there are new bits of advice for plastics, but it's still clearly a problem. It's a, it's a probably, it's probably Shane, a problem in just our, it's, it's the the nature of our day. It's the speed of our day. It's like we, the, we, the food festival down here in West Kerry uh, in Dingle a few weeks ago, and we're trying to move from everybody coming and using, I don't know, two or 250,000 pieces of plastic or whatever it is to people being in the habit of bringing a cup and a bowl and a you know a knife or a fork or whatever it is and they whether they're wooden I don't know what you know just people bringing getting in the habit of bringing their own of refilling that like that's a whole that's a whole like you see most people we we've bins all around town you're talking to people at the bins and saying like you know this goes in here that's dirty that can't go in there and they're just like oh look at okay some tell me I kind of want to know but I kind of don't want to know because it's just it's just too much. So our behaviours, I think, are 
going to be a big uh, factor there. And I, to, to me, to my mind and to my experience, behaviors only change when you have a relationship to something or when there's a relationship change, when there's a mindset change in your own in your own personhood. I think somebody can come along and say, look, at, you should do this because of X, Y, Z and intellectually we can grasp that. But we'll still continue to, you know, take off in the morning without our coffee cup or whatever it is. You know, we still will, no matter if we're told there's going to be 50 years down the road, you know, there's going to be societal collapse. We'll still probably do it because it's not real for us until it happens. Um, whereas my experience was much more, um, I think, when I developed a, a deeper relationship with the world around me and had that maybe more intense relationship with nature. It's like the idea that nature would be uh, something that's alive and, are, and surrounding us and is um, in communication with us. Uh, then I, I began to want to take care of it myself uh, just because there's a relationship. And up to that point, I didn't really have any clue, nor did I really care so much. Um, but once that relationship came in, that changed. And you begin, you begin to think then and see that, OK, I'm, I'm going to change my behaviours because I'm in relationship. So I'd be hopeful from that point of view. Um, and and, and, and like for, the, for those involved in Science Week and the focus that goes on in the intellectual processes, the carbon counting, the batteries, the electrical, the wind, all of that stuff, that's all very necessary, a very necessary conversation. I think it's also important to include the heart of people as well, that if you develop a relationship to something, that you can become a great proponent of change within that system and, and, or, or even a change of the entire system if that's the thing that's not working. So I think that has to be part of the conversation, or I would at least um, wish it to be part of the conversation, just based on my own personal experience. You know, I suppose another one of the relationships being discussed with Science Week and sustainability is our relationship with with food, and I guess the discussion around new farming technology and and science and how they can improve locally grown food to to ensure food security. I guess with with more organic farming. Like, would you have many experiences yourself with with Organic farming, that aspect, I know it's something that, that a lot of people are trying to, I guess, when they're doing their super, supermarket shopping, they're looking for that organic label, more, more so maybe than they were 20 or 30 years ago anyway. Yeah, organics are growing. There's, there's no doubt that's, um, that's, that's, that's no bad thing. Uh, one thing that we would consider, I suppose, and a, a, again, a, a revolution of thought to my mind, it's something that I've been introduced to, is there's the organic carrots that have been grown organically down in Spain or wherever that they've been grown. And then out in the Maharese here in West Kerry, there's a beautiful sandy soil. Now, I don't know, nor do I ask what's sprayed on them. Um, I try to avoid chemicals coming into my body as, as much as is humanly possible. So we would, our tendency would be to buy organic. <clears throat> but instead of me being selfishly just worried about my own this is my gut or my microbiome or my body, and I don't want any chemicals going into it, so I'm going to buy organic. But sometimes we choose for not just the health of the body, but we choose for the health of our of our area. Uh, and this is a big movement, I think, or a, a hugely necessary movement. I think the, the studies in some respects on the globalised food system are in, and it's not working in that way. Uh, it's not working in the way that maybe... They, people liked to have imagined that we can get our avocados or we can get our wherever from wherever in the world, like the transport, the travel costs, everything is just too much. So we're trying to localise again. You know, we're trying to localise again. And so 
with the organic food movement, sometimes I choose the organic that's grown somewhere else, but sometimes I say, right, with our, our carrots, our parsons, our spuds or whatever, I'm buying from the area, I'm buying from the local area because it's not just about me, it's about my area being healthy. And when my area is healthy, I'm going to be healthier as well. So you kind of make those trade-offs. There's just constant trade-offs because you, it's all in front of you. You can do, you know, you can do any of it. It's not like we don't have an avocado from time to time as well. You know, we, we make the wrong choices and we have the hypocrisies, but we're just trying to conscience, consciously uh, use our power as consumers because that's what we've been kind of reduced in the food system. It's what we do with our choices definitely matters an awful lot. So we choose local. The organic food industry has become a bit of an industry where I say, well, if it's below 15% spray or if it's below certain amounts of toxicity or whatever, that can be termed organic and that's very um, stringently marshaled. And because it's very stringently marshaled, people have to invest an awful lot more in, uh, in the standards and in everything being you know, documented. There are food markets uh, and farmers markets around the county or, or around us here at least and uh, I don't know what they do with their food, but I know by the nature of the people that they're not spraying the living life out of the food that they're growing. <clears throat> so I don't I don't need organic from them. I, I want it uh, as it was maybe more so as it was two generations ago, where there's just more people growing in their little bit of land around them. And we have that down here in West Kerry where we'd be, we'd be trading different things that people have, lots of food or whatever. Um, I know that they're not spraying it. I know that they're growing it in their own place and we're kind of dependent. We have an interdependence down here. Um, and then that also goes for the farmers down here, the local growers. They just aren't, they're not, they're not putting as much um, chemicals into the ground or as little as possible, I think. And so I'm just more inclined to buy them. I don't need to see the organic label on it. I just need to trust and know who the person is and where their farm is and what their kind of practices are to know that that's good enough for me because that's that's the well-being of, of our area and they seem to be interested in that. So, yeah, there's a lot in the chain, I know, but that the, the, these are the, yeah, these are some of the choices that we have and, and how, you know, directed that we try to make them. And then best, best of all is growing them ourselves and what we collect ourselves um, and that brings in foraging and using a lot of the the, you know, the wild foods that are around us and that's been a great source of nutrition for us as well absolutely and all, all that helps massively you know um uh, like i suppose if, if i was to ask you one final question jim and it's it's and it's something again look we're not going to solve in, in in a short conversation of course but maybe people listening could have a think about the way they that they i guess interact with the environment around them themselves or maybe the whole science week sustainable living topic might just i guess even if it influences some small groups of people uh, it can only help but are you optimistic when it comes to sustainable living in, in ireland and, and our awareness of it is it something that that you know fills you with dread or are you optimistic that we're, we're slowly moving in the right direction um i'm optimistic uh not about sustainable living uh, not about sustainable living, no. I wouldn't be optimistic about sustainable living because, as I said, sustainable living is sustaining practices that we know now are going to be, in the long term, uh, detrimental to serve short-term masters. Um, so, no, sustainable development goals. Uh, many absolutely necessary, unquestionably from people who are like whose minds are directed uh, in, in, on a great track. Um, but it's just not the way that I'm, it's 
that's the way that I'm focused, I suppose. Um, what I what I would be hoping for would be um, for more people to develop a deeper connection with our our natural world around us, not going from home to the car to the office to the, you know, we might go for a forest walk and march through the paddy seat in Clarny all the time, people going through the national park and they're out on their walk through the forest. It's just like going along the path, you know, relentlessly for an hour or whatever and never stopping to climb a tree or never stopping to even see what's going on in the undergrowth or never exploring and engaging with what's happening. And I think it's that movement from us as people on our track. This is my job. This is what I do. This is who I am. Maybe letting loose, letting loose some of those reins a little bit in order that something else might come in. And I think then when you go out into those places and particularly out into the wild places around us, you start to feel a little bit different and you start to see things a little bit differently. You start to notice the interconnectedness of all things. And once you connect with the interconnectedness of all things, then your relationship with that thing fundamentally changes and begin to see something very, very different. I am very hopeful. I think that war in some respects is already won. I think we win that. We win that battle in the long run where we consciously reconnect with the planet around us, not because of sustainable development goals and measurements and, and counting carbon, but because we reintegrate and we face ourselves again towards the thing that is supporting us uh, at every single turn of our lives. <clears throat> that's where, yeah, that's where, that's where, my, where, my, where my hope is. Uh, I Brilliant. No, no, it's 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 a it's a topic that that deserves a long uh, weeks and months and years of discussion. To be honest with you, Jeremy, but uh, mm. fascinating as always to get you, to get your thoughts on it. And listen, hopefully, you know, Science Week bringing these issues to the fore can can only increase the uh, the volume of that conversation. My name is Kevin O'Connor. I'm a professor at University College Dublin, and I'm a director of of Bioorbic and the Bioeconomy Science Foundation Ireland Research Centre. Brilliant. Uh, well, Kevin, I suppose on this topic of, of Science Week for Off the Ball, we're, we're kind of talking about these different topics and one was sustainable living. Um, I suppose if I could first ask you, and the comparisons are often made with, with different countries, but from your perspective, how do you think we as a country in Ireland are, are developing when it comes to, to sustainability and, and how maybe we, we compare to other countries? Um, it's a difficult question. Um, that's an, an easy start for me. Um, so I, I think it's I think Ireland is still behind the curve. I think we have a long way to go. Um, I don't think it's necessarily down to people. Um, I think often the choices people have in this country uh, don't allow them to live sustainably. Uh, things that are sustainable are more expensive. Uh, so that's a challenge. So I do think, uh, so Ireland as a country, I think, yeah, you know, we're dependent on our fossil resources. That's the, you know, diesel, the petrol, but also plastics. Um, so part of it is the lack of a choice, um, but a part of it is also policy. I think there are lots of people in government trying to really drive policy change, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, but I think as a country, we're still, uh, we can do better for sure. Do you think we can, we can, I guess, encourage people? Because as you know, like I suppose with habits like when it comes to sustainability and looking after the environment, we're, we're, we often copy our neighbours and kind of, uh, follow each other um, but do you think there's other ways we can encourage you know more people to give up unsustainable practices to recycle more do you think it's it is more of a macro question with as you say government policy and that sort of thing 
Yeah, I think it is a it is a macro question. I think incentives are critical. I think people need to be incentivized to change. None of us really like change. We might talk about change and say, oh, yeah, you know, I want to do things for the environment. But it's very challenging. Breaking out of those habits is really challenging. But I think we can't get into a blame game and telling people, oh, you're doing the wrong thing. I think what we need to do is encourage people to do the right thing. So uh, that is about making things easier. Uh, that is about incentivizing through maybe tax breaks or maybe uh, government subsidies uh, to help people to make change. So, you know, you can look at an electric car. Electric cars aren't just about reducing greenhouse gases. They're also about improving air quality. So um, because, you know, we're reducing emissions then from cars, but they're expensive. So do we need to follow other countries like, for example, Norway, who uh, made electric cars very attractive uh, to, to purchase? And uh, so if we really want that transition, I think, like all things, change costs money. So we need to really uh, help people to make change. And the same with recycling. If you want to recycle um, plastics now, to be fair, uh, you can see it. Um, the recyclers have made a huge effort to make sure that, for example, soft plastics are now included in the recycling. So you can see the efforts are being made. Um, but um, we, we have to reward people uh, uh, so that they can uh, recycle more. Perhaps, for example, government subsidizing the cost of uh, the green bin uh, of um, of uh, pl plastics and other recyclables that are going in. Can we incentivize people to say, hey, that's cheaper. Maybe we should be taking that option. Well, the plastics is a is a I suppose a great example and one that's that's commonly discussed for people and, and I know that's that's a big area for yourself. You've pioneered the um the conversion of non degradable plastics into biodegradable plastics, which is which is a huge area as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um there there's going to be a, a plethora of solutions that are gonna come uh, into society. Of course, recycling plastics is really, really important. But also we must look at uh, preventing the use of plastics, minimizing the use of plastics. If you look at the Environmental Protection Agency pyramid, they have a pyramid for managing plastics. What they're actually saying is, can people actually, first of all, avoid the use of plastic? Secondly, if you have to use it, can you minimize it? Uh, if you have to, if you have to use a certain minimum amount, well, then how can we use it so that it's recycled? But also biodegradable part of the solution would be Okay, I can recycle that plastic because it's not contaminated, but these plastics over here are contaminated by food, they're contaminated by other uh, materials. How can we actually then deal with those? I believe that biodegradables are part of the solution there as well. So it's going to be dealing with the existing plastics. There will be new biodegradables coming onto the market as well. They are already Some of them are already on the market. And how do we also use those in the right streams? Like, for example, if they're used for a food packaging. And we know that there is some food waste, so then they could actually be managed together. And so, yeah, it, it's going to be a range of different technologies and different approaches. But the single biggest change is human behavior. So we all, I'm a technologist, so you can keep me busy for a long, long time. I'm happy out. I can develop new technologies. And I, I, and I think we need a certain amount of that. But in actual fact, the single biggest change is going to come from human behavior. That is getting out of your cars. That is reducing the amount of plastic you use. Uh, that is about changing the way we live our lives. But people need help in doing that. That is a massive change that is really difficult. And the more uh, help uh, people can get, the better. That's a huge one. Yeah, something that people maybe don't think about. The, just, and the, as you say, like technologies as they develop, Hopefully we'll come up with new ways of, of changing, but human habits first have to change. Um, when you look at something like farming, which is a big, big area, I suppose, in Ireland, 
uh, in particular, like, and farming technology is improving year by year at a, at a, a drastic rate. But how important is it that that keeps developing to ensure food security, I, I suppose, with more organic farming and farming better for the environment? Yeah, that's a really critical area as well. Uh, we all love our food. Um, you know, we need safe, healthy, nutritious food. Uh, that is absolutely important. I think self-sufficiency is also important. Um, you know, we're all guilty of eating probably some tropical fruits in, in February. Uh, and should we really be doing that? Uh, is that? And again, that's human behavior. But from an Irish perspective, Irish agriculture produces really high quality products. We have fantastic brands. But the, I think that the sector recognizes that there are environmental damages uh, being done as a result of our current practices. And uh, nutritious food now has to be sustainable as well. The consumer demands it, but I think farmers really understand that. Now, I think farmers get a hard time because, oh, you know, they're polluting the environment, etc. But we expect cheap food. We expect traceable, cheap food uh, on our supermarket shelves. But show me another product um, that it says, hey, I'll give you high quality traceable um, product, but I don't expect you to pay for it. I expect it to be uh, produced at a cost or less than cost price. That's not realistic. We have to understand that if we're going to move towards sustainable food, it's going to cost uh, money. Maybe again, that is where government comes in and says, okay, food security is so critically important to our citizens. We are going to make sure that investments into this area pay farmers to do the right thing. And then the, the costs are basically absorbed by government until a point at which the technologies have improved and the, uh, to the consumer. So I think there, I'm involved in a project myself, uh, Science Foundation Ireland are funding it, it's called Farm Zero C. Uh, and we are trying to uh, take a dairy farm in West Cork in collaboration with Carberry. Uh, Carberry is a co-op, it has four different co-ops supplying in milk to its cheese production facility. And they are trying to develop a climate neutral farm by 2027. And that is looking at the emissions, that is looking at fertilizer, that is looking at the animal, the soil, that is looking at renewable energy, uh, that is looking at grass biorefining, where you can take the grass and refine it to produce multiple products, some for the cow, some for pigs, for example. So they're trying to create this new sustainable farm. So these are the kind of projects we need. These are the kind of initiatives we need. And they're absolutely critical, not just about being carbon neutral, but about being sustainable. That's really important. It's about biodiversity, making sure nature is protected. It is about making sure that the farmer gets a fair price for the product they're producing. And it, of course, is about reducing emissions.